to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got Coach Rob Walton with me today. Thanks for being here, Coach. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, well, if you wouldn't mind, kind of give us a little context uh, to you and growing up and what that was like for you. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Um, yeah, in my 50s now, looking back at how this thing evolved for me in, in baseball, because uh, um, really not thinking about it a whole lot in high school, kind of what's next as a, as a player, because I played basketball and soccer and baseball, and then it was my sophomore year I started getting scholarships and soccer and offers and then uh and then baseball after that um and um so then that all of a sudden changes your mind I loved what I was doing and I love watching professional sports um but to try to compare yourself at that particular time and you know 1978 79 somewhere in there you're it's not as much as uh, in the media like it is now with social media and the phones and Twitter and all the rest of those things that go on. And it's it's talked about on a daily basis um, all over the country where we're just in our own little small town and and we're with each other and we're just with our teammates and we're just trying to find ways to win games. We're not really thinking about a whole lot else. So. Yeah. But when I start when back then, when you start getting letters um, from schools, then that kind of that just lets you know. So I was pitching a game, I think my sophomore year, and it was a first round pick I was pitching against um, a guy named Jeff Bittiger. And he everybody was there to see him play. So there was 30, 40, 50 scouts there. And and then uh, and that's how I got found. So right after the game. Um, you know, all 25 clubs or 26 clubs are giving me a, a card to fill out and send back in the mail. And, and that's how you found out if you're really good enough or not. And, um, and that's kind of where it started. And then after that, you're, then, you, you know, you just start setting goals of, Hey, this can be a reality. Professional baseball is a reality. College, college is a reality. Um, so then I started to, look at it a little bit differently but um but I also didn't want to not knowing anything or what I was doing and there's really nobody no coaches or had ever had to deal with it before um at my high school so I try to just try to keep things as normal as possible because obviously if they're thinking I'm good now then I've been doing something correct so just try to keep maintaining what you're doing and it just kind of kept evolving and and then um then my senior year, I was a six-round pick by the Rangers and and, had, and actually had offers in three different sports, but I knew I had a future to, you know, to maybe take this um, and make a living out of it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, going back to kind of your upbringing, you talked about having a natural ability to play athletics, but also I'm sure you worked hard at that as well. Was that something that your parents instilled in you, or what were the values that they instilled at a young age um, that yeah. helped you? Yeah, it was it was my father. Um, he was a professional athlete, World Cup soccer player in Europe, uh, grew up in Scotland. Um, his brother was also playing uh, professional soccer and another brother was was boxing for a living. So um, big family. Um, he actually was a too big family. He lived across the street. My father with his grandparents in Scotland. So um, 
And so we were the first group of Americans. So um, families of 10, um, my father, family, 10, my mother, family, eight, my father. So big families um, back there. Um, but uh, three of my mom's or two of my mom's sisters um, left and came to came to the States. Um, and now one is in Canada and the other one's in Texas. But they're the three ones that left the country. So um, I think I just inherited the genes from my, my father's side of the family. And my dad introduced me to every sport and he goes and his, his advice is whatever you're choosing to do, whether it's, uh, athletics or something off the field, just one rule, just be as good as you can at it if you're going to do it. So choose the ones you like to do because then it's easy to do. So I never felt like it was work or practice was work or I'm having the, you know, got to run a lot or do whatever i didn't see it as work i just saw it as preparing for you know um the game that i was getting ready to play so it's never been work i've never looked at it as work so it was uh you're self-motivated when you get to choose something you really like to do and then and it's also fun if you're good at doing it so find, finding something in, in in life that you're good at um, and then you like to do, I don't think that's the easiest thing to find. It just happened to be athletics for me and it could be computers or somebody else. So it just, uh, and I try to <clears throat> teach my kids the same things. Um, you know, when they were growing up, just choose what you like to do. My oldest son didn't play baseball. He didn't like it. Don't play it. You know, you just got to find out what you like to do and then you're self-motivated. So um, this never, my father never pushed me one way or the other. I like playing soccer. He was world-class. So, um, during that time in high school playing soccer, I broke the scoring record as a freshman and things like that. But if I wanted information, I had to ask, like, he would not like, Hey, after the game, evaluate my game and tell me, you know, Hey, you need to do this, this and that it's, this is, it was my deal. So. I'd have a question, maybe two or three after each game, he'd give me the answer and then we would have dinner. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a long thing. And then when he told me something, I would just do it. So the next game I'd do it. And um, so it was simple. Um, so with Donovan, it was a little bit the same playing my sport. If you want to hit or practice, then you let me know. If you want extra hitting, let me know. But I'm not going to ask you to go do these things. It just has to be on, on your terms. Yeah, and I definitely want to touch into that here in just a little bit as we get into the coaching realm and, and how you deal with players. Um, but as you moved into um, playing professionally, or you you had an opportunity to play professionally and you wind up going to Oklahoma State, is that correct? And yes, why right. why did you make that decision um, to do that instead of go play professionally at the time? It was, it was interesting, I think, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I really haven't been away from home. And I know when you go to play pro ball, um, you're gone and you're gone for a while. And in that particular time, you would play that year and then you would be either go to instructional league after the season was over, which was 150 games. And so you're playing till October and then you would, you would continue to play through November and then you would come home. So you're in spring training February till, you know, beginning of November. So I'm going to be away from home and those type of things that had some influence. And then, um, the very first time I got hurt, um, it was, was a state title game. It was our first time our school was ever in um, 
the state final. So, um, and it was the day of the draft. So, there's a, so there's a lot of guys there because the draft didn't happen until the evening. So there's a lot of people there. And I think I started the game off striking out the first 13 to start the game um, and then threw a pitch and something popped in my shoulder blade. And then um, so that spooked me a little bit as far as moving into pro ball, mm-hmm. maybe not, maybe not being healthy. And then medicine back then wasn't, you know, ortho orthopedes were, I mean, they're at the very beginning of, you know, what a pitcher can or can't do. It's, it's, you know, it's light years now compared to then. So then it was us all experimental trying to figure out, you know, h- how these things happen and what happens. So being hurt at the time, it, it dropped me like three rounds in the draft. And then <clears throat> so it scared me. So I figured, you know what, I'll go away from home. I'll get healthy. Um, I'll start to kind of learn how to grow up. Um, at that time, I was an only child. Uh, my sister had passed like when she was 13. So I just needed to feel like, okay, you know, at home, my mom might have been a little bit more overprotective, but I need to start standing on my own two feet. So they weren't really worried about me. And that was a tough decision, too, because my father actually acquired cancer at that time. So, um, but my dad thought it was a good idea. He didn't want me to stay home because of him, but he thought that this would be um, beneficial to learn how to, you know, pay your rent, do those things, um, do the things necessary to start, you know, growing up and and um, becoming a man. So. I thought going away from would kind of push those things a little bit quicker for me um, so that I grew up a little faster. So if I did need to help um, my family or at home, I was probably more, had more tools to be able to do that. Yeah. And and touching on that, you know, you talked about your dad and uh, your family and stepping away from, from that to go have this experience at Oklahoma state. Um, I remember reading something about what your dad, he would go to church and, and he'd be praying and, and, uh, he'd pray for you every single day. Um, and I thought that was a really cool thing that you don't always hear about, you know, your dad and your parents, how influential they were in your life. But talk about when you make that step to jump all the way, you know, halfway across the country, um, you knew it was the right decision, but were you kind of in a situation where you're like, is, is this going to be the right decision? Do you have any fear doubts going in when you're moving totally different place, new environment, uh, new teammates, all that stuff. Was that, uh, how did that play out in your, your mind? Yeah. Teammates are always going to be easy for me. Um, I enjoyed being around good players. We had really good players on my high school team. So, um, nine of our guys went to play either division one or division two baseball on my team. Uh, one guy, um, named Pat Pasillo, he ended up being a first round pick out of Seton hall. Um, and my catcher went to a D2 school who was, who was very good. Um, another infielder went to Boston College. So we had good players there. Um, but when I got here, you know, it, honestly, it was probably the best player from every state ended up on one campus. So we had seven first-round picks on my freshman team. So it's just uh, that was at that part I enjoyed because then it, it, it did, it's a different level of competitiveness. But you also, those guys being that good, you also learn much faster 
Mm-hmm. So some guys will get intimidated that, hey, they may be better than you at that time. And they are, but I already knew I was good. It's just a matter of I can actually take a little bit from these guys and it'll make me better faster. So I, I took a different approach to it. Um, and then again, that sped up my learning curve. That sped up my ability to understand the game better because they're older. John Farrell is my roommate here who managed the Red Sox the World Series later on, but he was older than me at the time, kind of took me under his wing. Hey, this is how you handle your business and do these things. So for me, that part was kind of, was good. Um, I didn't worry about playing time or, or things like that, knowing that we were loaded with pitchers and, and everywhere else. I looked at it as this is what it's going to be in professional baseball. It's going to be the best players in the country and every player on a team is going to get signed. So I'm just playing with professional players already. So, <clears throat> so that helped me elevate my game, compete, concentrate. Being here at that time in 1983, you know, Stillwater, small town, um, not long, not a whole lot going on. I grew up eight miles outside of New York City, so there's a lot going on. So, <clears throat> so the ability to focus, concentrate, less distractions. Um, no traffic. I mean, it was, it, it was just, uh, it was definitely, uh, for me personally is probably what I needed everything slowed down because we had my father being ill and their home. And it just, it, again, less distractions, probably less worries for them too. Um, and then for me, I could, I could just concentrate on, on going to school and, and kind of developing my craft. Yeah. Yeah, and you talked about having great teammates around you that really elevated you and, and kind of raised the level of competitiveness when you, you come to Oklahoma State. You guys had some good teams at Oklahoma State when you were there. Um, you know, Do you have any particular experiences that you remember that really shaped you when you were in college uh, with those guys or in any type of environment? Yeah, I think that you know, there was a certain, um, which I, I hadn't experienced before, there was a certain aura in the – in the locker room that it's the amount of guys that were crazy relaxed. I mean, they were super calm, relaxed. Like there was zero fear that you, you were going to lose the game. I mean, if they, and uh, the one experience kind of, we're, I think we're playing OU and uh, we're not playing particularly well. And I think we played a game in Oklahoma city in AAA park or, um, and I'm, you know, I'm a little concerned, you know, being a freshman, I'm a little concerned that, hey, we're down three and seven. This is this is not good. We're going to get beat. And, and, and the dugout was like, I mean, completely calm, controlled and normal. And I'm like, nobody's tight. Nobody's worried about anything. I go, hey, what's going on here? He goes, oh, we got a new bag. He goes, they'll make an error. They'll walk a guy. We'll hit two home runs. We'll win. We'll go. And and. And I was like, wow, really? <laughs> and that's kind of the confidence they had. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So that kind of kind of attitude, that kind of ability to stay in the moment and not really stress you out, I think uh, those guys played free. They played freed up. They, it wasn't, they never worried about the scoreboard. They were just, we're going to make our run and it's going to happen. So just, you know, just relax. It's going to, it's going to do that. So I think um, from that perspective, it, it's a very, it 
gave you a lot of confidence. So regardless of, you know, you started, if I was on the mound and get a couple of base runners, not really a concern. I'm going to get the next couple of guys out. We'll get out of the inning and go. So I think it just kind of rubs off on you that way. Um, and your ability to um, not get stressed or have any anxiety or thinking that this outcome of the game, it just kept you in the present and it kept you confident and saying, Hey, you can get out of this. Cause this is what, this is what Oklahoma state baseball does. We, we adapt, we, we adjust and then, and then we win games. And so that, <clears throat> that was probably the first moment where you go, <clears throat> it allowed you to kind of just go do your thing and not get concerned about stuff. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's probably kudos to having that culture around you. And the question that came to my mind is how do you develop that type of mindset? Um, within athletics or anything in life, really, to be able to have this relaxed, that peace sense of, of having confidence and obviously it comes from preparation, things like that, but also having this culture of teammates that uh, it kind of filters onto you as you come in as a freshman, you're like, okay, uh, this is actually, it's going to be okay. We can have this level of confidence and be relaxed as we go in and keep playing at a high level. Would you say that was instilled just by the environment or how yeah, does someone was- go about instilling it? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, and it really goes down to um, the head guy at the time. I think if if Gary Ward had a if he if he had uh, one thing that he probably did better than everybody else was to um, create that persona or create that and make you believe it, and um, he was the one who set that tone. So he was the one who said that this is how we go about doing it. Um, the not the non scoreboard watching, you know, playing this game one pitch at a time. And this, this, you know, we actually kept it extremely simple. Um, but the, the discipline that he had for players on the field from the mental capacity and how he was able to instill simplicity into your minds to where you wouldn't get negative thoughts. And then, then his belief that he kept on hammering home about um, confidence and things like that. Now, he would do them in, in multiple ways. Extremely smart man. It took me a whole year to understand his vocabulary. I had to look up <laughs> half the words in the dictionary. But, it's, um, but he's the leader, you know. So the leader sets the tone. The head coach is the leader. The leader instills those skills, you know, inside you mentally which I think are much more important than what they're doing physically to your delivery and how you throw a ball or how you swing the bat. So Gary's magic was in that the ability to make everybody believe that they're the best guy that's on the field. Um, And my freshman year, we had the best guys on the field, but then years after that, we were really good. Maybe we didn't have seven first round picks, but we were good. But the attitude and the mindset was the same for four straight years. So we started a year, my senior year, we started a year off like 11 and 10, you know, so we got a losing record through that. And then we roll off 33 straight, you know, which is still recording NCAA. So you, that he instilled that mindset. And that mindset kind of develops in the beginning of the fall, but also he got so much help from the returners and the returners would just say, Hey, this is how this is. Like they did for me. He says, no, don't worry about it. This is what's going to happen. And it happens. 
And then, so then I instill that and pass them on to the guys that play the following year and the guys that are coming in. So um, then it became, he built a program, became self-sufficient that way. The players did as much from the mindset to their teammates as, as, as the coaches did, but it all starts with, with Gary and his, his ability to, uh, to do that. So we took personality tests every year. We had to sit down and take them and then he would go through them and he understood everybody's personality. So he, he had them, A type D, whatever personality they had, he knew how to attack that personality. So, and then he could change if there was, you know, if there was something in there that wasn't quite right to get him into that place, he knew how to, how to get to that place. So he was way ahead of his time that way. And, and even in today's game, um, you know, an organization can easily just use him in that capacity and he could probably change their organization's ability to win games um quickly so but we hit we hit and we hit tons of home runs and then that's what they associate them with uh, i don't i associate them with the, the only reason those guys got hits is because where he put their minds hmm. so it's a it's a so the guys that appreciate the coach is they appreciate what they did for their confidence and their beliefs and and those things because we know that you can have the prettiest swing or the best delivery and not have success so success is always going to, your best tool is always going to be your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. And what an example for you. Obviously, you were focused on playing professionally when you were at Oklahoma State playing, and you did have a chance to do that. But also, what an example to get to learn from in those four years as you became a head coach. Was that something that was always on your radar after you decided to kind of hang up the cleats? Or what were you thinking as you decided to get out of yeah. uh, playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... It, my, my idea of getting called to the big leagues and it getting abruptly um, after I got the call up the next start was uh, eighth inning. I tore my rotator, detached my labrum, and it was kind of gone. And so you go a couple of years trying to keep going and keep playing. But those basic principles that you learned at 18, 19 years old that you developed mentally is 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 those those won't leave you because they are still life lessons um you know i have a 92 year old mother who's in the hospital struggling all those things are going to help you stay in, in the right frame of mind so it's not really just uh i didn't start looking at it as a just a athletic mindset it was just more of a life mindset when you get into certain situations hey then you just start trying to figure out you know you don't create anxiety about how bad the situation may be you start creating solutions you know so then it's a life skill so that's kind of what I got out of it after done playing and and going through what I went through so then being a coach and then a head coach then those are the things that came to me first because I knew the game will finish at some point for them in their careers some after college some in in the minor leagues and some in the major leagues so regardless of what level that you end up finishing at, you're still going to need that, that life skill to be able to take your mind and go, okay, you know, this situation I'm in and somebody's sick, like my mother and, and you look at her and it's difficult to watch and then it becomes emotional because it's your mother. And then after, you know, 10 minutes of watching that, then your mind, my mind changes. Okay. What do we need to do? How do we need to, you know, get her into a more comfortable place is there resolution to this situation can we um can we make this better can we 
So I just start competing kind of similarly how I did on the field, which, Mm -hmm. which again, I think is a healthy way to go about it because, you know, I have wife and kids. So if you go home to those wife and kids and then they see you in that mental state, that's very, very good. And you're talking more in positive terms, like, Hey, this, I just need to get this done, that done. And then we'll see where it goes from there rather than coming home and be an emotional wreck. And then they're, then, then next thing, you know, they're looking at you, they're worrying about you and then that creates worry for them. So then it becomes a little bit dysfunctional, which basically what's happens to other teams, they start worrying about it because um, it just get it gets passed around. And then, then next thing, you know, then you see teams all of a sudden collapse because the first time they've seen adversity, their minds don't know how to turn into something else. So I think that's mm-hmm. the, the best value life skill that I kind of created. And that's from day one, when I talk to my pitchers, even today, it's, it's more how this, if you learn how to navigate yourself on the mound in a difficult situation that you may seem difficult, but it, it really isn't. If you look at it this way, you know, but mm-hmm. if you continue to worry about the outcome or the future before you actually throw the pitch, you know, we're in trouble, you know, but then it's like looking at my mom, I can think about the outcome. She could maybe pass away tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's not then, then the whole day you're, you're stressed. So I'm looking at this in the present say, okay, what can I do today to make this better? So you, you so I use those lessons to, um, pass on to my players so that they learn that skill which makes them a better player but it's also going to make their lives better um and they'll be able to use that you know the rest of their lives and have a good life skill yeah and you talked about being present in the moment but also you know controlling your mind to where the ways you think and how you think about things how does someone go about developing mental toughness because it's something that is often talked about many times like you need to develop mental toughness need to develop it and a lot of times it's developed in the moment, right? But how does someone go about that? Because uh, for baseball players, for athletes, for people in the business world, everybody, uh, mental toughness is something that can be developed, but it's very important to develop because of how you react to situations and, and whatnot. Uh, do you have any ideas on ways that you've seen mental toughness be developed and you work with your players and whatnot? Yeah, it's a day. It's, it's, if, the minute you think they they have it they don't so so you just stay consistent so every day is a consistent deal until that continues to move on michael freeman was that way left-handed pitcher went bishop kelly and and he didn't he was the smartest guy on the team but maybe too smart to the point where he would allow those extra thoughts to enter his mind so then as you do that you start navigating that day one and then the next day you're doing it again. So there's not going to, even if he's not throwing a bullpen or I'm not necessarily with him a ton that particular day, I'll still walk over to where he is and even say, hello, how's it going? What's going on? How do you feel? What's like, okay, well, I want you, I still need you to remember, even in this, you know, you're only going to throw 25 balls here in, in a catch play situation. I still want you to be thinking in these terms. So it may only be a three to five minute conversation, but if I don't touch it just for a second and leave him on his own, he could wander a little bit. So you just stay 
with it on a daily basis. And so, and so if you do do it each day, you visit and then you visit, you visit, and then three, four months of that, all of a sudden the percentages are starting to work the other direction. So instead of it popping in their mind 90% of the time, it's popping in their mind 50% of the time. And then it's only popping in their mind 10% of the time. And then it comes down to that 1%. And so when they're in a game, you, you actually know when they're playing on the field that it's happening because you can, it, the difference in their body language changes to a point where you can, you can detect it. So then you can take them like for me being a pitcher, I can take a mound visit and then get them through it. And then the next day, uh, the next hitter is back on point because they've done such a good job of developing it over that period of time. So it's not something like a light switch and it's not fast food. You just can't go get it. It's something that's developed over a period of time. And so as a coach, you just, you just continue to stay um, resilient and just keep steadfast at it. And, you know, don't give them any rope until you can start to see them take that ownership of it. And then their body language on a daily basis, like Mike's his routine. I could tell you when Mike's going to walk on the field. I can tell you when he's going to get to the, to the bullpen. I can tell you he's on that same time frame within seconds of his routine. So that means his mind is right where it needs to be. It's not, he's not floating. He's not, he's not allowing those other thoughts he's taking those other thoughts stick him in the closet and he's locking the door they're just not coming into my head so you it can be developed but it takes time because everybody's grown up in a different environment so the environment I grew up in was difficult in the fact that at nine years old you have an older sister that's extremely ill and so then you see all that and then so when and then your father gets ill before I left college so going to the field was my home. Like practice was my home because when I went home, things were, you know, in disarray a little bit. So I learned how to separate the two, but then when I got to the field, if when I was young, I didn't really realize it, but you know, I would play a little bit angry. I would play a little bit upset. I would, I would literally try to take it out on the other team, which is, a good thing, but I didn't realize psychologically what was that happened. So as I got to college, uh, I understood. Um, and I had that conversation with coach Ward. He goes, yes, this is, this is how you compete. Now, you know, now you need to learn how to compete smart. Now you need to understand you learn how to comp compete through this situation you were in. So take it as a blessing and not a deal because eventually it's going to make you mentally tougher hmm. away and you'll use that skill at home and that's kind of how my whole mindset developed through really a, a tough deal not everybody's been through that situation so they didn't really develop that ability to compete um under those circumstances so then you know you learn how to get those guys to compete by just um understanding how they grew up where they're from what situations they've been through and again, I don't know them until I visit with them and talk to them and, and get down to it. So then, then I have a better idea of how I need to approach that one individual, knowing that this is where he's come from. And so once I know how each guy's 
journey has gone up to this point, then I have a chance to talk to them in this particular matter to, to do it. So some guys will get that ability to control their mind sooner than later, just because of how they grown up. But if I don't know the background, then I don't really know the angle to go into. Yeah. And it's, as you talked on that experience, it's really fascinating to watch people that are faced with challenges or adversity at a young age, and some come out and use that for the better that really helps them. But then some mm -hmm. also, you know, take a detour and maybe go a different route. And um, mm -hmm. it's kind of fascinating how that works. But you talked about that consistent daily discipline within your mindset to develop mental toughness. And one of the things talking to some of your former players, uh, the one thing that like kind of the genius of you is that you're able to condense something complex and make it simple. Uh, you mm -hmm. talked about going talking to Mike on the mound whenever he was uh, maybe thinking too much about something and you condensed it down in simplicity. And you talked about that kind of growing up and playing and then also having coaches that did a, a good job doing that. You know, how do you feel like you've been able to simplify something that might be complex and make it easy for people to process um, to really go out and just do the work? Yeah, it's, again, another good question. It's just, um, I think in life in general, just then this is just me in life in general, I think, you know, there's four or five things you really need to have inside your DNA that, that, that makes things work. And I think if you can practice those five things a thousand times, you're going to own them. I think in today's world, people are trying to do a thousand things five times. So that, that, and that, that creates confusion. You never master anything. You're not, you know, it's, it's just too much. So you can't practice enough. You can't, whether it's mental or physical, you can't get there. But in, in today's society, that's kind of how it is. It's just, there's so much information, you know, so from a baseball standpoint, they can pull up anything they want to be able to pull up on somebody's, how they go about their business physically and whatnot. And they think they got, they, they think they've mastered these things overnight. You know, it, they haven't mastered them overnight. It's taken the period of time to be able to get there. And then, you know, there's, there's so there's, it's become such money oriented in every sport. So there's, there's, you know, guys on the, on the net that are trying to make money off it that aren't necessarily trying to win games for a living. They're trying to make money off the game and, things like that so you have to be careful about what information is applicable and what information is not you know but again i go go back to life i mean do you want to be you know like say for me god family friends you know then then i need to be able to master these principles to be the person i want to be first and that will allow me to be the player um, but without mastering these few basic fundamentals of life's life skill, then it's hard to navigate the simplicity of what it is. So as bad as it, if a guy's pitching, if he's not pitching very well, you're really, and he thinks he's, he's way off and he's really one click away from being really, really good. And Freeman's always a good example because you know, he had coaches there to tell him to quit. I think there was a junior college for three years. You know, he really has no success. And then 
we set a plan physically and mentally. So my job is if I can put him in a better position physically, he'll start to see results that he hadn't had before. And then I can get to him mentally. So we had that plan. I had that plan to kind of go that route. And then when Mike and I sat down, I said, he, you have to be completely honest, you know? So I, 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 it's kind of like an alcoholic. Like, it's okay. You need to stop drinking. You need to go, you know, go to AA. He goes, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Well, until he admits <laughs> he's an alcoholic, we are not going to get this fixed. So if you don't admit that <clears throat> I've got these mental demons going on and I'm worried about failing and, or worry about walking a guy, if we don't admit that we're worrying about these things, we can't get to the next spot. And then the thing that Mike did great, he's, perfectly honest and open said yeah i do these things it doesn't mean you're soft it doesn't mean you know you're non-competitive it doesn't mean anything it's just the way your mind works okay so we just need to change your mind so get rid of the soft i'm soft i'm not tough i'm not this you, you can't be a straight a student be that smart be soft because the discipline it took to be a straight a student is remarkable that takes mental toughness to dig in there and do that right um so understand how this is going to relate a little bit to what you're doing in the classroom and what you're doing here so i kind of went that that particular route because i can tell you right now I, there's not many guys that can do that where he, you can do that and go to med school and those things okay let's use these tools but let's use them this way on the field and then, so Mike started to put two and two together. It's the same. You know, when you're taking that test, you want to get the A. You've studied so hard. You've grinded so hard. But if you're worrying about so much about getting the A, you're forgetting the information. Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah. what you do in a classroom is you're just locked in on the info and you just go bang, 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 and you ace the test. You're not worrying about getting the A. You're just doing the information. This is what we're going to do on the field. And so that kind of started to click and go, okay, so then we're going to keep emotion out of it because when you're doing that test, there's not emotions out of it. It's just focus, concentration, dissect the information, and then you take that information and you check the right box. That's the same thing we're going to do. We're going to take the information and then check the box. We're not going to worry about the outcome. So that's one guy that has a, that you understand his personality. And then he opens up and tells you the truth. Then you can get in there and make the relationship between the two. Mm. And then the next thing you know, he's runner up national pitcher of the year when somebody told him to quit. Yeah. So it, so I don't give up. That's the one thing I, I, I never do because you never know what can happen unless you go for it. So every single player in my program, I'm going to go for it. Like I'm going to go for gold. I'm going to figure silver's not in my DNA. So I'm just going to dig in there and go, go for it. So, but I got to get inside him before I can, help him navigate his mind a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's fantastic information. What you said, just simplifying it down. Uh, some things that I think about when you're talking about that is first off, you develop uh, a trust with the person to be mm -hmm. able to let them tell you what they actually feel, what they think, um, some things, doubts, insecurities, wherever it might be, that's holding them back from being at their highest level of potential. And then you're able to sit, and understand that and then kind of develop a plan to get them to uh whatever outcome they're working towards um yeah, yeah. that's what's going to get them we'll find out whatever potential is in there we're going to get it but 
that's that's exactly how you do it yeah and so like and the office i'm in now is kind of downstairs i've got two computers we film them every day so every pitcher comes in here every morning before practice that had a session on the mound um the day before so they meet with me and then we go over the film and go that now it's not all film work that's where i'm kind of digging in there and so we have a plan everybody right even right now has a plan on where they're going what they're doing physically so i keep bringing them in because now we're developing what their plan needs to be mentally and you have to get to each and every player so it just takes it takes time so every player on our staff pitching staff has their own physical and mental plan not everybody's the same we don't have a pitching system it's an individual plan for every guy yeah and that's awesome and you know one of the things you talk about when you talk about that is that each and every person is uniquely gifted and talented they have a different makeup and so you're sitting there identifying what those things are about them but you also are able to sit down and develop the plan so that they don't have to think about where the, they they all know where they're going they want right. to be successful but when you have a plan in place and you've already done the pre-work, the, the groundwork up front, you're able mm -hmm. to make it simple. So all you got to do mm -hmm. is just go execute and you tweak it mm -hmm. over time. Right. But it right. uh, goes back to what you said, understanding, you know, what your passions are, what you really enjoy, and then just mm -hmm. going and doing it. Um, right. And so we can easily make that so complex and overthink things. We got so many distractions going on in the world. Right. Uh, it's different for everybody. But when you right. develop a plan and you have a, a, a trajectory of where you're going, it makes so much uh, kind of condensed and simplified to, to make it easy for your guys. Right. It makes them calm. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, it calms them down going, OK, I only need to do this. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> all you need to do. So then it makes them relax and they can. You know, they, they got to do, like I said, a thousand things. No, 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 no. I said life in, in general, there's 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 just a few principles that you got to master, which will make you a better player, a better person, a better father, better husband. All those things are going <clears> to <throat> come into place. But the minute you think you have to do all these other things because it's it's out there on the net, it's it's not realistic. Um, so when you can mask those things, it definitely gives them a calming effect. And so when they're calm, you you can think clearly when you have anxiety and those things, you, you, you can't think clearly. So, um, so, you, you know, one of those things is okay. The initial shock of something happening. All right. Now, what do I need to do rather than keeping that shock in your system? And then, then something else bad happens afterwards. So it's, it's just, like I said, if I take something home to my wife and I'm still in that emotional state, that's going to disturb her which is not healthy. So, but when they, if your wife and your kids are looking at you and you're kind of a little bit of a rock and you're solid, there's no, then, then again, that takes stress from them. So then they're calm and they're calm because I'm handling my business. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the big message that you're trying to get along. This is something you're going to use long after here. This is not just the game. It's just life. And it just, it's all relative. Yeah. And one thing, uh, as you sit there and talk, I got this book that you told me about a long time ago. It's the inner game of tennis. And so it kind of mm -hmm. talks about everything you just said, simplifying things, staying focused on the present, um, having that mental approach, um, and being calm within the moment. So everyone right. talks about flow state when you're in the moment you're playing, everyone's had a game where, uh, you feel just you're on fire and you're just in the zone. And so right. those things you just talked about help you get to that place. And it's a consistent mm -hmm. daily discipline. One thing is, one on your time and get out of here here pretty quick. But you talk about 
um, you know, coming home and being present. Um, I want to, I want to get to leadership and, and faith and family for you, but you've been able to be a head coach, um, at a high level. You've been USA, uh, baseball coach. So you've dealt with high level players. What does it mean for you to be a good coach and a good leader? Oh, it's, uh, when you, when you first get into it, like, again, when you get done playing and, 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 uh, let's say due to injury or, or whatever, that's the only thing, you know, um, it was the one thing you're really good at. And it's the one thing, um, that you really uh, love to do now, when that's gone, now you, you're looking for that same type of feeling. And is, is that possible? Is it achievable? Is, you know, so I got into scouting and then, and that was really beneficial because I met some really good people, um, show me how to evaluate, understand um, a different side of the game. Um, so that was beneficial in, in that journey. And then I wasn't home enough for when Donnie and Davis were, were four or five years old. So, um, so then I went into the college aspect of it. And then those first couple of years or, or, definitely eye-opening I was an assistant at that time it was eye-opening um how you can actually impact somebody as a as a person that kind of that that's a thing that's the first thing that hits you that how how much you can influence them or um or help them um with that journey so then you know I still go back to my experience and how difficult life was and I got to the other side but you know, how can I make an impact in this guy's life, you know, and baseball is part of his life. But then I, I start, I just started looking at the big picture. So the more I looked at the big picture, the more important it was that they learn these skills, these life skills. So I'm going to try to do what their parents would want to do. So if I was this guy's father, what would I want? what would I, you know, what would I do? Or if this was, if it was my son, what would I do? So then when I looked at that player, okay, this is my kid, how would I approach it? And then, then I go. So there's even this moments, even during games and I'm getting ready to, and it gets emotional and again, things get going fast and everything else. And then I always step back. Okay. If this is my kid, what would I do? And then I go do it. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's just more of a, you start thinking about that aspect of what, how you can, improve this person's life to the point where they're learning skills they're learning life skills mental skills mental toughness and i think mental toughness and 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 the mind part of it is is really the key to to unlock their physical abilities but also it's it's the key to you know them being productive so i think it in the end the coaching aspect is you know the wins and losses are going to come and go you know that year I managed USA team, we went 30, you know, won a gold medal. People don't remember that now. Okay. So, but the guys on the team do, you know, we're still together, you know, those, those types of things. So mm-hmm. um, we talk about it, you know, when Tyler Lyons or some of those guys that, that come back here to Oklahoma state, that's what they talk about. Um, they talk about our experience there and, and those types of things. So that was a life experience that they're not going to forget. So I think it just started. Can, can I make me personally, it was more about, can I make a difference? 
because when eventually when I'm gone and and they put me in that box and I go on the ground, you know, you know, I think about I hope there's, you know, a thousand players there talking about the good times. That's what I want to happen because they're all there because they got they got information and it's made their lives productive. That's ultimately that's what's going to be the key. But in today's game, it's, it's difficult sometimes because coaches get fired every day. You know, when you're gone, you know, those types of things. I've never worried about winning. Um, I've never been concerned about winning. I've, I've never really known our record most of the time during the season. Um, I'm more concentration on the player himself. So I was in the regional and uh, we won the first two games regional at Arkansas when I was a head coach at Old Roberts. And then and then you're in the press tent, everybody's firing questions and they want to know how, how well, you know, what's it like when in 33 or your last 34, I had, I had literally had no idea. I didn't know we won 33 or 34. I had no idea. I'm just thinking about what I need to do for, you know, these, these seven players are in a good place. So I, I, I one minute visit with them, everything's good. But then these three guys are not in a good place. I'm just thinking about those three guys. So, each game that goes on, win, lose, or whatever, I'm moving to that guy to give him what I need to do. So sometimes, I, I me personally, I, I didn't know. I didn't. I said I didn't know. He said, How do you not know? I said I'm just thinking about what I got to do for, yeah, for Joe because he's not playing well. So I'm more focused on that. So if I do that, then the wins were the wins come. So because you're taking care of the player, you're taking care of the individual. So. Um, so I always went that route. So I wouldn't think about, you know, the wins and, and the losses. And, and I, and I did that as a player. Somebody goes, well, you know, what's your record right now? I'm in double A. And I said, I really don't know. I, I know I'm moving in the right direction. I know I've thrown really, I know I've thrown really good baseball, but I need to get this last piece to my puzzle here. Cause right now my, my curveball is not at, at the, at the place it needs to be. So I'm more focused on getting that. Um, and as that's going on, I'll navigate the game and still win it, but I'll just, I'm, I'm more concentrated on improving, um, what I need to improve rather than what my ERA or record is. So if I do that, and like I would throw hundred pitches in a game and I feel like I've executed like 80 of those pitches exactly the way I wanted to. And if I never looked at the scoreboard until the game was over, if I looked up, we won because I executed such at a high rate. So I'm more focused on, on that and grading myself on that, that I execute the ball the way I want it to execute it. And if the percentage is high, we win. If it's not, we lose. So I kind of kept it as simple as that. Yeah. And that's, that is, that's some genius right there. It's so simple, but it's so, so profound because it's easy mm -hmm. to get lost in all the other things. You mm -hmm. talked about your family and your faith. How is that? Uh, first off, as a coach, how do you balance that between having, being a present dad, being a caring dad, but also being a leader and a coach, almost essentially a, a, a secondary dad to the guys you're coaching too. How do you balance that? Yeah, you got to remember that too. So somebody's turning over your their 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 son to you, so you got to remember that. And if you have to put some discipline to it, um, to some where the real guy in and he's not on the right path, and that's what their parents would do. So you do it if you don't do it and you let them slide and then all of a sudden you're just kind of buddies, that's not a good thing. So, um, it does, I, I just got to make sure that 
um, that I, you, you do the right thing regardless of, because uh, yeah, when you're disciplining your own son, it's not fun or daughter, it's, it's not fun, but it's what's necessary to do. And then, um, so, you know, you'd look at them, like I said, as your own, and then you try to do what you think is, um, which is correct. And, and again, I think most of the time that's, that's the case, but, you know, guys come from different backgrounds. I'm Catholic. I could be Protestant or you could be Baptist or you could be anything, I think. But, and, and I was at all Roberts, it's, it's non-denominational. So when you go either way, any of those religions, religions, faith is big, your faith in yourself, your faith in your family, your faith, you need something to draw to, to give you some strength to what you're trying to, to do. So for me, I don't, it doesn't matter what religion you're from, but you need to make sure that your faith is in the right place so that you can draw from that when you need some strength. So, but also, you know, if you're going to read the Bible and, and love thy neighbor, you need to love your teammate, regardless if maybe you're different backgrounds and you don't get along. Mm -hmm. So draw your, draw off of that, you know, so um, you're going to get in workplaces where that's the case too. So, you know, religions around the world, they have wars over it and, and where my parents were, they're, they're car bombings and everything else. So it's um it's around there but if you can use your faith you and your faith you can draw into making sure that you stay in the right mental place so when it wants to wander into something negative or whatever you, you can draw on your faith to get you back in there so yeah. so that part of it is you know is preached um and ORU was obviously they went to chapel twice a week and then you know, talking to our players about chapel and somebody's again, might not have grown up in a, in a family that went to church or the, they've never been there before. But I said, you know, those things are still good to know because you're going to get into an environment where there's other people that do. And so having an understanding of it can help you um, evolve as a person. And, and, um, and some of those guys ended up finding out that, you know, this is a place I, I want to go to. So I think your faith is definitely a part of, you know, that helps you with your mental discipline mm -hmm. and helps you, reminds you to do what's right, reminds you to treat people the way they're supposed to be treated, you know, um, regardless of where they're from, you know, what they look like or anything else. We're all human beings on the planet. You know, there's just one human race. There's no black, white, nothing. There's just humans. So treat everybody the same, regardless of where they're from, what color they are. They're human beings. We all bleed red. We both have, we all have hearts. You just treat people correctly. Do not look mm -hmm. uh, anything other than that. So um, I think that's part of it um, for sure. And that, that was an environment that I actually grew up in, so, but some don't. And then you have to realize that and say hey just take a little bit at a time you know when you want to talk we talk and um if you want to go to church i'll take you um if not just just you know keep asking questions if you you have um interest you know mm -hmm. so it's not something that's forced on them it's just something that's there because it's going to be there for the rest of your life yeah absolutely and it's one of those things that kind of comes back and it centers you when you're going through challenges almost like we talked about before, but it's just some something that centers you and treating people the right way 
uh, mm. being truthful with people, it's, it all goes back to that. But as we wind down, is there a certain piece of best advice that you've ever received? Wow. Um, I don't know if there's, if there is one thing that you can kind of, that you can put on. Um, but I think it was like, it's just the journey itself is what develops you. And I think if you're paying attention, you know, if you're paying attention, there's something to learn, you know? So, um, so I always did that. My father, told me to do that because somebody's going to be talking about things and you're just going mm, but there's there's one thing that they're going to fire out there that you can use so don't okay yeah i don't know i'm not with the I'm not with that i'm not with that now okay here he just he just fired out something that resonates with me so if you're listening there's always something to be learned and there's also something to be um you know learning Everybody wants to learn what to do, but it's also good to pay attention so you learn what not to do. Yeah. You know, so you're going to be around some people that you think are a little bit square, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling this guy, but then if you just listen, it'll teach you learn and, and it'll help you learn that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going down that road. I'm going to stay on this road. So you can learn what not to do, which is just as valuable learning what to do. So. Mm -hmm. learning and, and applying both of those things is important so um this podcast is called building excellence what does building excellence mean to you i think it's a bit for me it's making a difference in somebody else's life that's period that's it it's just because when it's all said and done what 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 did you do with your time here on earth did you make a difference or did you not did you impact somebody else's life or did you not because if you didn't really what did you do then I mean, really, what's, what is your value? You know, you know, being a superstar in the field and all that is, is definitely you're going to have fans and fame, all those types of things, um, which are which are fun. But if you're not in that environment, you can do that. You can have the same feelings that they get um, by doing something for somebody else. So I'm, I'm more of a servant than I am, you know inside myself so i don't really buy myself a whole lot of things or do anything like that as i'm more concerned about how i can help somebody else whether that's in my job in coaching or outside of my job it just comes down to you know help somebody else and then and then when you do it's a good feeling because you felt like you've made your time on earth worthwhile yeah absolutely that's so good and i'm obviously a byproduct of that but we just want to thank you for your time coach um, you know, the things that you shared are all things that people can implement in their life, no matter what profession or sport that they're in. It's something that is applicable, but also you get to see the reason why you coach. And I think that above all else is, is so important to have good coaches like yourself out there making a difference in the lives of their athletes. Um, that's what really makes a difference and uh, really appreciate you taking the time and sharing that. So, yeah, you bet. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yep. Yeah, best of luck to you too and keep yep. doing your thing. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. 
Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.